0: Welcome to the Awake Church podcast. At Awake, our mission is simple. Know God, take action. We pray this podcast will help you on that journey. So I want to talk some about the Father today, but I also want to talk about fatherhood and I'd also We're going to mix some other stuff in there as well. Uh, Lord willing, Lord's been really putting some on my heart related to this. Um, and it's just, you know, I I really love you and love the the people the Lord has is brought here and sent here. And so I'm always asking the Lord, Lord, what is it that you want for our people? And there can be messages that could be for a bunch of other people, but I really desire to that we would grow into him, into his image, that we would look like him, act like him, uh, grow more and more in love with him, and then be who we're supposed to be in the earth in every way. That would be completely free on the inside so that we are unhindered in doing what God has called us to do. So I want to talk some about a little bit of that today. Um, You know, whether through having a child, um, adopting a child, or being a father to others, Uh, Being a man, getting to be a man if you're a man, is a wonderful thing. God knew what he was doing when he made man and woman, two genders by the way, just want to get that out there, really clear, it's right at the very beginning. It's one of the first things that was established, It's super simple, God is not complicated, aren't you thankful? I'm really thankful for that. It's the way that he made it and it's so beautiful. The way that he made a woman and the way that he made a man. So different. Wow. Get married, you find out. So different in the makeup and all of the the emotional side of things and the thinking side of things and the gifts and the skills and the ability and the uh, nourishing and all of the things that men and women are so different in. They go together so well. They go together so well. They complement. It's how God designed it. It's his intention to complement, to take two very different people and bring them together to complement one another for power and to rule. Isn't this interesting? You know, one of the very first things that God said for men and women is to, man and woman, to rule over the earth, to take dominion over it. And that meant particularly, I'm going to say, uh, over the enemy. The enemy was intended. He was a snake in the beginning, in that form, under their feet. That's where he was supposed to stay. But he started yapping. And people started listening. And all of a sudden, that changed from his position of man and woman ruling over him to him being becoming the prince of the power of the air. They handed over rulership to him in many ways. And so once Jesus has done what he has done, and that rulership is returned to us, and that authority over the enemy, every believer has authority over the enemy. Do you realize that? Jesus purchased that back for us that was intended in the very beginning. And so now, man and woman are to rule over the earth, over the enemy who has been defeated, and we get to establish, bring what Jesus brought. He said it over and over and over and over. I'm bringing in, this is a, a new kingdom. This is completely different. And then in the beginning, we were also made, what? In the image of God. We were made in the image of God. Not just like all the other creatures who are male and female also all the other creatures God made, but we were made different in that we were made in the image of God to bear the image of God and to do the kind of things that God would do to partner with us. Pretty amazing. It's part of our calling. It's our calling today. Your calling, my calling, to rule in a way that God rules through love, but also to be strong, All of those things. Okay. I also think when God made woman, it was his grand finale. You know, Fourth of July. Y'all wait till the grand finale, the fireworks, the best fireworks. When God made woman, I think that was that was his grand finale. He'd already made everything in the universe. The woman was the last thing. Grand finale spectacular, beautiful. I know that's what Adam thought too. His knees were probably shaking when he presented her to him. I have no doubt about that. So God is this creator. We were made in his image and meant to take action in the earth. Of course, that's our tagline here at Awake because it's from the Scripture that we're here to do things, not just know things. Isn't that great? There's a lot of things you can know, but God doesn't want us to just know stuff. He wants us to know stuff and do stuff. Take action. Be like him. And before a a boy can become a father, he's first a son. So I want to talk a little bit to men today in particular. And as a son, we learn about life from our parents. From our mom and our dad, if we have the privilege of having those both in our home, I say that I'm a very privileged person. I came from a two-parent home, so I have two-parent privilege, which is incredible. A lot of people don't get that. I had that. And a son learns from his mom and his dad. You know, Solomon, the wisest person before Jesus, touched the earth said, I learned from the teachings of my mom. And he was watching his dad make mistakes and do well and all those things. Solomon learned from both. But every father is still a son. And we should be, whether we had a great father or not so great father, we have the father, the heavenly father, to watch and to learn from and to grow from and to emulate, to be like, so that we can... Do the kind of things he would do. I always say to men who had maybe a lousy dad, and so they don't know how to do stuff, I say, well, you know, be what you never received. Because of the father, you can now be what you didn't get. Because you get it from him. So we can, we can do that. We don't have to have an excuse of being a lousy father too. I can be a great one. You can be a great one. Because of the Father and what he's done, and how he's made us, how he's shown us we can be. You know, part of the mission, you've heard me say this many times, part of the mission of Jesus when he came to the earth, a huge part, yes, was to lay his life down, redeem all of mankind, incredible. Another portion of his mission, his calling, was to reveal what his dad was like. A huge part, a part that's hardly ever talked about. But when Jesus came, he spoke on two things more than any other, the kingdom and his dad. He's constantly talking about his father. My father does this and my father does that. Over and over and over, he's talking about his dad. He's explaining what the father's really like to mankind who had a twisted image and idea of what God was like. So Jesus sets the record straight and spends three and a half years talking about his dad. And we learn a lot about the father that we didn't know before because of Jesus. And who else better to describe the father than the one who's been with him forever, created the universe together with him. He knows the father. He knows every detail. He said they're one. He said, you've seen me, you've seen my Father. We're just alike. John said this in John 1.18, says that Jesus explained him. He has explained the Father to us. I am so thankful. The world was confused as to who God was Tell Jesus explained him. Some of those things he explained Somewhere we found in John 15, he tells this parable or this story about, don't know of a parable, it was a story about the prodigal son. We title it the prodigal son, but I call it the loving father. He talks about what the father's like through this story. How he is loving, how he's generous, how he doesn't control, lets his son he wants to go do the wrong thing, lets him do it. blew all his inheritance. But he's waiting for him to return. He longs to have his son come home. And as soon as the son decides, realizes, he's made a bad choice, he's blown everything, he's living with the pigs, and he turns his feet toward home. When he makes that decision, the father is on the porch watching and waiting, praying. Desiring to see his son. And when he sees him, what does he do? It's the most, one of the most powerful things. He gets up off the porch and runs down the road to meet him. And then swallows him up in a hug. Dirty, filthy guy living with pigs. Smelly. I picked up a hitchhiker one time. Was so smelly. This before, I don't pick up hitchhikers anymore. But I used to pick them up a lot. He was so smelly, I had to blow the AC on high at my face so that I would keep from vomiting. It was that bad. And there's a long story there. I won't go through the whole thing. Anyway, <laughs> the father, Jesus describes, when his son turns his feet toward home, runs to him, embraces him, and starts kissing on his neck. He's loving. He forgives him. He restores him. He throws a party for him. We learn from Jesus who explains his father. This is what my dad's like. I don't know how you think about the father, but here is what he's like. He's forgiving. He's loving. He's always looking for you to return. And when you do, he throws a party, celebrates you. Pretty amazing. We learn from Jesus that the father is still working. John 5, 17, he's still working. He's still doing things. We learn from in Matthew 18:14 that it's not the will of my Father, Jesus said, that any little one would perish. He doesn't want any person to die. We know that. Jesus said it. This is my Father, he said. He also said in John 10:29, no one can snatch us out of the Father's hand. It's impossible for the enemy or anyone to take you or I from the Father's hand. If we're in him, the enemy can't take it away. I love that. John 3.16, Jesus explains. These are the the words of Jesus. For God so loved the world. He's reforming this image that the world had of God. He said, no, here's my Father. He so loved the world that he sent me, Jesus is saying. And that whoever would believe would have eternal life, they would not perish. So Jesus is explaining the Father's love for every person. Not just some, every single person. He also explained through many times, at these over a hundred references to the Father, that the Father is just and he will judge and deal with crud. <laughs> He's going to deal with corruption. He's going to deal with things that are not done right, things that are done in a wrong way to other people. He is love, but he's also going to deal with things. And that's how you and I are supposed to be who are fathers, have great love, but still deal with things that are wrong and set them right. That's a great thing. That's not a bad thing. It's it's a lousy thing when someone is just loving, but they... Let chaos and mistreatment happen right in front of them and never deal with it where there's no discipline. That actually means the Bible says, if you don't discipline, you don't love. Right? And it's so true. I know that firsthand as being a dad. If I just let my kids do whatever they want to do and never discipline them, I don't love them. I hate them. Discipline is part of love. It's showing, getting involved. And dealing with things and saying, no, this is right, this is wrong. You won't do that again. That's a wonderful thing. The Father does that with us. I'm so grateful for that. That means I'm loved. Takes the time to discipline means He loves me. That's the kind of people we are supposed to be. We have a great Heavenly Father, a perfect Heavenly Father, who's shown us how to live. And as we as men develop our relationship with the Father in the way that Jesus described him to be, then I will become a better father. I'll become a better man. I'll become a better son and a representative of his on the earth. Remember Father Abraham. You know the song. Father Abraham had many sons, yes. I just sing that when I was in children's church growing up. But he was a father. In fact, God chose him to be a father, and the Bible says why. Isn't that amazing? You know, not too many times does it say something like that in the Bible, that I'm choosing you, and here's the reason why. In Genesis 18, 19, let's read it. God says, for I have chosen him, Abraham, that he may command or instruct, could be a a better word there, teach. Instruct his children and his household after him to keep the way of the Lord by not just teaching, by doing righteousness and justice. Those two things. You see those two paired together throughout the Scripture. You, look, you, you do some search sometime on righteousness and justice. You'll find them married, and they're throughout the Scriptures. And God says, I chose Abraham to be a father. So that because he will teach his kids, he will instruct them on doing justice, on doing righteousness, the Lord loves those things. Righteousness uh, from the Hebrew really means to live ethically and to treat people fairly. It has a relational aspect to righteousness, how we treat other people. Uh, We treat them in a righteous way. So it's a relationship side, not just a holiness side. So when the Bible refers to righteousness. It has a lot to do with how we treat one another. On the justice side, justice means to make right. It involves getting involved in things that are wrong to make them right. Getting involved with things that are wrong when it's within our ability and power and help make them right. So you see this justice and righteousness together. And it's one of the things I absolutely love about God. He loves justice. I did a search one time. I was sharing this message, and I I said, I want to find out what are the things that God loves. So I dug through the Scriptures. I found four things. And one of them is justice. God loves justice. And uh, you do too. I do too. When the right thing is done and dealt with, it's like, That just feels so good. When someone who is falsely accused, they they get accused of doing the wrong thing, but they were innocent, and justice says, no, you're innocent. It's like, yes. But when the opposite happens, it feels horrible. And everyone in here is going to deal with both of those things, being dealt right and dealt wrong. So we don't always get justice for ourselves, at least in this life. There will be a lot of things along the way. And sometimes it's from well-meaning people. Sometimes it's our parents when you're little. And they get it wrong. Boy, I've gotten it wrong with my kids sometimes. Blaming them for stuff they didn't do. Most of the time they did. But there are times I got it wrong. And when I found out I had to apologize. Have you ever done that? Sometimes that happens. Of course, the Lord never gets it wrong, thankfully. But I, I do sometimes. But... One of my, um, boy, one of the hopes I have and one of the things that I am thankful for and look forward to is so much of the injustice in the world, the corruption in the world. I travel these other nations and I see so much in my own nation right now of things that are unjust. And I think Jesus is going to set all that right. When he returns, he's coming in a different way than he came the first time. He came as a baby, helpless, his mom is taking care of him. He comes a second time, different, different. He's going to deal with all of the unjust things, the injustice around the world, the things that I can't fix or deal with, though we have a part until he does that. We have a part to play in that. And that's somewhat I want to mention here as we keep going here. But God loves justice. It says that he, his throne that he sits on is righteousness and justice. How about that? Whether that's a metaphor, I don't understand that exactly. Clearly it is. But there's something that the foundation of who he is is righteous. He's going to do the right thing relationally with people. And he's holy, clearly, but he's also just. That's a beautiful thing. In Micah 6, verse 8, everyone knows this passage. Micah the prophet asked the Lord, God, what do you want me to do? Do you want me to sacrifice a thousand rams to you? Or give the fruit of my body for the sin of my soul? And what does God respond to him, Micah? He has told you, O man, what is good. And what does the Lord require of you? Here's what he requires. That you do justice, love kindness, and walk humbly with your God. Do justice is that little two-letter word before justice in this. That you do justice for others. This is what the Lord wants us to do. It was said to Micah, it carries all the way through. I know justice in our world gets misconstrued. There's so many definitions of truth that are getting twisted and become something that it was never intended to be. The definition of things. For man and woman, all the way through. I know our cultures, things have gone crazy in the world. The enemy's just lying and twisting stealing, all those kind of things, but there's, the, you know, truth does not change. And so sometimes part of our job is to remind the world of what is really true and what is right if they don't change. It's a foundation, and justice is one of those things. Um, an example, when I think of justice, I'm going to mention a woman during the time of slavery in this country, which was unjust for an entire group of people, horrible uh, in every way, it's just unconscionable that we allowed that as a nation. It was also around the world, it wasn't just here. Slavery has been around for a long, long, long time. But Harriet Tubman, remember her? This mistreated young woman, beaten many, many times, a slave, She gets the courage to escape, and she escapes. She goes north. And in this new freedom, she thinks about her family, all those that she loves, people she's not even met yet, who are still there. So she leverages her freedom and goes back, knowing, this is going to be bad if I get caught, 13 times she recorded trips back to the south to get people and to take them in the night, follow the North Star. She becomes the Moses of the Underground Railroad, rescuing people and bringing them to freedom, risking her life over and over and over and over again. She said she saved or brought people to freedom, 70 of them into freedom. Some say there were 300. That is doing justice. Using your position of freedom to not just stay there, but to get in the mire and to help others get out of where they are and to deal with things that are dark and to bring light to it. Ah, she's She's a hero. Amazing to me that she would do that. In 1 Corinthians 16, verse 13, Paul says, act like men, speaking of men, not women. Don't act like a man if you're a woman. But to men, act like men, be courageous, grow in strength. There is a wonderful thing that God made and with how he gave masculinity to men. I understand you say masculinity, sometimes all these things go off. Well, the toxic masculinity. Well, I realize there are some bad guys who have used masculinity in a wrong way. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about God-given masculinity that's strong and loving, that's kind, but stands when needs to stand. It is a wonderful thing. Just as there's beauty in femininity, there's a beauty in masculinity. It's the way God made it. And we need men to act like men, being courageous and being strong. I mean, men, if uh, you ask your wife what she wants in you and she's honest... There's going to be one of these that's going to say, I want you to be strong. Would that be right, ladies? Yes. They want you to be masculine. They want us to be masculine. That is the way that we are made, It's to be that way. And so what is justice? You acting like men with our masculinity, with how he made us to be, how do we how do we do what God said to Micah to do, to do justice? First off, justice is not socialism or equity where everything's equal for everybody. Equity of outcome, that is not justice. That's not what the Bible's talking about when it's doing justice. I absolutely believe in equality of opportunity for everyone. Freedom for everyone. But socialism is where you make everything the exact same for everybody regardless of their effort, regardless of what they do. That makes no sense. That's confusion and chaos. And when we look at history, it's caused many problems, leading to hundreds of millions of people dying. So justice isn't just making doing everything the exact same for everybody. It's doing things that are right and bringing people out of darkness that are mistreated. That's different, giving people the opportunity. And it's dealing with the enemy, which is really our enemy is the devil and all of his horde. And it's saying truth, it's praying, it's standing for righteousness, the things that God says are righteous. Still having great love, but in love, being willing to stand. It's all of those things. Standing up for others, fighting for what is right for others, even to our own hurt or harm. You know, sometimes there can be more effort put toward yelling about needing to receive justice personally, which is the exact opposite of what God said, is to do justice. And God will take care of our personal justice, Says he is our defense. Isn't that amazing? I remember one time I was complaining to the Lord about something, uh, some sort of false accusation, and I was trying to defend myself, and the Lord said to me, Matt, if you defend yourself, that's all you've got. But if you will forgive, let me be your defense. So I don't need to clamor for my own justice. What I'm supposed to do is do justice for others. When there's something wrong in the society that I live in, where people are being mistreated, then that's something I should stand up for, step into, and help out. There's several practical ways to do this. For fathers, for men, for women too, but particularly as I'm talking to men today, this great group of men, uh, just looking around in our society, one of the things that it, it um, boy, it breaks my heart, makes me wanna cry thinking about it, is what is going on with our kids, particularly in public schools and what is being shoved in so many ways. Uh, down into kids, the most innocent, the ones that we should be standing up for the most. I think, really, no one should be in leadership who's not willing to protect children, to be honest, across the board, but I don't get to decide that. But we have people in leadership who don't care about kids. I mean, and I'm just gonna say some things, okay? Like, here's something that is just evil, like allowing puberty blockers, chemical castration, and for children to choose to want to mutilate their own bodies and adults going along with this and physicians to do this that's irreversible and is going to harm and damage them forever. That is called evil. That's not like a choice. That's evil. It really is. It's horrible. And I think, you know, Calling it that is one thing. I think we also, you know, we need to get involved in school boards. And so you can have a righteous person there. Have a voice of clarity and love and truth and actually love our kids. I know there are many, many great people on school boards, but we need to have also those who are righteous, those who do justice, and make sure that our kids are protected or watched over. Standing up for the unborn. You know, when I say these things, um, and I've heard this many times, you know, stay away from anything political. Well, you know what? Issues of life and evil can, they might be called political, but it's evil. And it's completely different. I have no desire to be a politician. Though we need some really good ones. And if that's your calling, please do. Please do and be a voice. But there are issues like the unborn. That's an issue of life. That has nothing to do with Republican or Democrat or conservative or liberal. It has everything to do with God and life and a person completely different. You might get labeled something else, but in reality, it has to do with life. Our children, so important that we watch over them. In fact, Jesus took that so seriously. Here's something, this is what Jesus said. This is in red in your Bible, that the one who causes a a young one to stumble, it's better that a millstone be hung around their neck and they were thrown in the sea to cause a child to stumble. That's, That's Jesus. God is love. That's love speaking. That's how serious it is, how God takes his kids, young ones, old ones, all the way along, from unborn all the way. It's important to God. It's important to Jesus that we stand up when we see injustice we don't look the other way. I re- we had a chance uh, four or five years ago. I took our staff to, um, to Europe, and we visited the, really the path of the Moravians from the refugees in the Moravia and the Czech Republic as they came over to Germany and stayed in Zinzendorf's place, and we were in Hernhut, and, and then we dropped down and visited um, the concentration camp. What was the name of that one? Yes, Dachau. We went to that one. You guys ever been to a concentration camp? It'll mess you up. And I realized while we we're there, they have these boards that explain the history of how it got to that point. And you see that along the way that the Nazis just started sowing lies lies, And they, they demonized certain people just through words and media, through media and words. They demonized anyone who was a capitalist, and they demonized the Jews. And then later they started to demonize anyone who was religious, the clergy. And through these words in the media just saying, these are bad people, this is horrible, this is, then, then it came a point where then they could justify locking them up. Didn't talk about killing them, just locking them up. And then next thing you know, they're tortured. They're used as medical experiments. They're killed. They locked up clergy like me with those who were Jews and many other groups of people. And I could see in a short period of time, years, just a few years, the Nazis, with their lies and their hatred, Changed a whole society that had thousands of churches. Thousands of churches. The whole society shifted. And next thing you know, they're killing Jews by the millions. Through media and lies. Twisting things. And it's said, I don't know if this is true. Some say that when their train would go by full of Jews next to a church, that they would just sing louder. To ignore... What was really happening As these trainloads of Jews were going to the incinerators. Look the other way. Let's just preach the gospel, but not do justice. That's a, that was a horrific, horrific error on the part of, of the body of Christ, of the church, of those who are image bearers who know Jesus and are filled with the Spirit in Germany at that time, 90 years ago. So we want to look for things that are not right and not just be right on the inside and keep our vertical with the Lord there, aligned with Him, absolutely. But we're put on the earth, God put us on the earth, to rule, to stand for other people when they can't stand. I remember having an opportunity for this uh, in a small way when I worked for the government. I remember working, and it was near promotion time, and I heard my boss say something racist, and one of the guys I worked with was black. Promotion time came. He and I did the same thing. I got promoted. He did not. And I remembered what he said. He had said these racist things. So I knew he hates this guy. He's not going to promote him. So I went over his head and went to my boss's boss and said, this is what my boss said. Here's the results. I got subpoenaed. It was my word against his word. And I don't know how it landed because I resigned at that point and went, into, went to Bible school. But here's what I know, I would do that all over again. We, when someone gets mistreated it's within our power to stand up and be a voice for the one who is not being treated well, that's what we're supposed to do, right? At every, every turn, whenever we have an opportunity to. Part of the calling of the church and men says in Timothy, is the church is the pillar and the support of truth. So if the church isn't doing that, who will? Right? Yes, love with everything, but boy, there isn't love if I'm unwilling to say what's true, what's right, if I'm unwilling to get involved when justice is needed. So, To us and to our men, keep standing. Find places to bring justice to and into and to speak on behalf of those who don't have a voice. Can we all stand? I'm done. You didn't throw me out of here yet. But it's... And you know, our enemy is never other people. Other people are deceived, severely deceived, and they think they're doing the right thing. So it's not a battle with other people. It is a battle in the Spirit, but it's also the Spirit touches the natural, and we have to stand in the natural and the Spirit and to be the right way and to help other people. So Lord, we're just asking for your help today. Lord, I, I look around this room and see fathers and mothers, men and women. Lord, thank you for this moment in time that you have purpose and planned for us to live. Thank you for the purpose and calling on our lives from the beginning, back in the garden, all the way through today. And you placed us in this country and in the city that we're in. And here we are standing in this church building, Holy Spirit, I ask that you would speak to each one of us. Show us, may our eyes be opened to injustice around us. When we see it, that give us courage, Lord, to take a step and to take action. To say things, to not just turn a blind eye. Lord, I ask that you'd keep us all from that. May our prayers be powerful. Lord, I ask that you'd put it in our hearts in areas where maybe we can't or we're unable to go and make a change in a certain area, that we would pray your justice in an area. That you would put it on the inside of us to, to do what you would do, Lord. Lord, I ask and we ask together, even, even this morning, for our children. Lord, for the innocents, for those, they're still, they're, they're, as their brain is developing and they don't know wrong from right, and they've got parents to guide, Lord, I pray that you would help. Help the parents. Lord, help our school system. Help from the government level all the way down. Lord, I ask that you'd bring justice and righteousness, right thinking. Lord, that um, the evil that the enemy is trying to do throughout our country and throughout the world, Lord, I ask that you would Straighten that out, that you would remove the deception. Would you set free minds, eyes, and ears? That you would heal kids and help them, Lord. Help them to know you and to see you, to live free. Lord, I ask you'd empower us and the, the fathers and the, and the men, especially, Lord, to. On this day, as we honor you and thank you for what you've done for us, I'm asking, Lord, that you would help us to be like you, to love so well, to lay our lives down like Harriet Tubman, but also to have courage, to have strength. Lord, I ask you would untwist any and every lie that we may have believed as well. In Jesus' name, Lord, we ask for the mind of Christ. We ask for your words to resonate on the inside of us. Help us to love those and help bring healing to those who are deceived. Lord, those who have been wounded and damaged and hurt, abused, taken advantage of, Lord, I ask for your healing to their hearts, to their lives. Help them, Lord. Help them see who you've created them to be. Help them enjoy the the identity that you've given to them. Lord, we bless you today on this Father's Day. Thank you, Father, for being so good, for being a great father. Thank you, Lord. You could be anything, but you have chosen to be so good and loving. Thank you so much. And I bless these men and these dads, grandfathers, stepdads, Fathers who are spiritual fathers in here who may not have any natural kids, Lord, I ask you you continue to use them, use us to help change a generation, to love on and raise up like Abraham did, Lord, to do righteousness and justice in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to today's message. For updates on future episodes, make sure to subscribe to our podcast and leave us a review to let us know how we're doing. For more information about Awake Church, visit awakechurch.com.